I'm Gabe. And I'm Kat. And we're the, the Ghouls Next, Next Door. And we are continuing our representation series. Yeah. Yes. Um, and for uh, today, we are going to be talking about how people with disabilities are represented in horror, which we have, I'm sure, touched upon previously in like random episodes, but this episode is all about it. And we have invited a special guest to help us talk about this. So we've invited Pascal Valet uh, of Liberty Resources and ADAPT. So Welcome, first off. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and why um, they should trust you when we tell them to. Yeah, so um, I have an invisible disability, much like one of the co-hosts here. Me! Um, <laughs> not to out anybody, but, you know, yes. disability pride, you know, yeah. what's up? Um, <laughs> um, and I've been working at Liberty Resources for the past four years. It's the Center for Independent Living here in Philadelphia. Um, we basically advocate with people with disabilities, not for them, with them. Mm-hmm. Um, our main goal is to get folks out of nursing institutions and back into the community, but we have a huge intersectional uh, advocacy sort of platform that we do. We talk about sexuality, housing, employment, um, so many things. Um, and it's just, we're actually a really cool group. I'm really yeah. excited to like work for our work. <laughs> I'm in my mid thirties and I've, I've never loved my job before, before working here. Oh, that's oh, awesome. That's I also really love Liberty Resources. And also you're a part of a really cool activist group. Adapt. Adapt. Yeah. So um, originally, Adapt came from the name Americans with Disabilities for Accessible Public Transportation, but they've since um, really expanded their scope to anything regarding people with disabilities on the federal, state, or city level. Um, anytime you're in Philadelphia and you see folks in wheelchairs chaining themselves to SEPTA buses, that's us. <laughs> nice. You know, we're the ones who are blocking traffic. We're the ones who are, you know, doing sit-ins and die-ins at uh, local uh, politicians' offices. Um, like, I don't know if you guys remember that movie, Me Before You. It does sound familiar. So not to go too in depth into another movie, but uh, (laughs) yeah, do it. (laughs) It's about this handsome young playboy, is millionaire, and he gets hit by a car and acquires, I believe, quadriplegia. And Khaleesi from Game of Thrones is his attendant. They fall in love. Everything's wonderful. Oh, I yes, yes. I heard. And he can't stand to be this burden on her any longer. And so he opts for assisted suicide to leave her all of his money so that she could live the life that she deserves. (laughs) But having to take care of somebody, you know. And so all of the people that you know we serve and the people in our um, activist group adapt. We were like, this is ridiculous. We yeah. never get to see ourselves represented as, you know, a romantic interest. And this is what we get. And so we went to the movie theater down by Columbus Boulevard. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. <laughs> but we had a die-in. Like, people crawled out of their wheelchairs. I had chalk, and I chalked outline all oh their bodies. Gosh. We had the media there. We were, like, <laughs> shaming people going to go see the movie. It was, like, a Tuesday. I got paid to do that. It was great. That's awesome. <laughs> I love my job. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I, you know what? I wish we could do that for a lot of these, especially with this rep, like representation series. Yeah, how cool would that if be? If we could just go and be like, no more this. Right. These people 
you need a change. <laughs> we need to change our representation. How about you put the people that you're representing like behind the pen and paper or behind the yes. camera and we can tell our own stories. Yeah. How about that? And then it's actually done correctly. Is that ridiculous? <laughs> Is that too much to ask? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think most of the world says yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, like the, the, it's like all the like fancy people, the fancy chairs. They're, yes. they're remarkably incorrect. <laughs> Men money and they're sitting there like, ah, I don't like change. Yes. Mr. Moneybags. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, I like my narratives. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or more my versions <laughs> of other narratives. We need more cishet white males. <laughs> what do you mean, women in Marvel? The real oppressed class. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They were marching. I can't. <laughs> Who was just like, what do you mean? You always pride. matter. Like, more than everyone. That's Why are you point. upset? <laughs> yes. So Which is um, exactly why we have things like this podcast so uh, if you can't tell this episode's gonna be super fun we're talking about disability how it's represented in horror um and spoiler it's pretty bad usually it is there is a turning point i feel like we are coming up on some things that are getting better and we will highlight those so we're going to talk about the films hush and a quiet place we will touch upon some things that you might hear um other movies that did bad jobs right uh but Primarily those two, because they, they got some good stuff going on. Um, so stay tuned. Alright, so we are talking about disability in horror and specifically the ways that it is used as a tool generally the tropes that we encounter some of the real life horrors that people encounter right um what i kind of wanted to to pick your brain about pascal first is just as like a general thing it doesn't have to be horror but what are some like you've already kind of touched on it but what are some things that you've seen on film in reference to people with disabilities and how they're usually portrayed yeah, I mean, there seems to be like maybe one or two really two-dimensional portrayals of people with disabilities. Um, a lot of the stereotypes are that they're really passive, that they're ineffectual as people, that they're asexual. That's mm -hmm. a huge stereotype about people with disabilities. Um, basically, that the disability is somehow a weakness or um, something that counts against them as people, makes them less fun, makes them curmudgeonly, um, makes them less of a person, when in fact, disability is just part of the beautiful, diverse tapestry that humanity has. Mm -hmm. um, like One in five people in the world have a disability, and that's more common than people who are natural redheads. So <laughs> yeah. it's not a bizarre thing to have. It's not a abnormal thing to experience. Um, and in fact, the longer you live, the higher likelihood that you're going to join our community. Um, and it's an equal opportunity, you know, minority experience. It really is. Um, yeah. At any point in time, somebody could join our community. Um, and join our community today. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and so, you know, people with disabilities tend to be the reason why people get, like, maybe caught. In, like, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm. you know, there's the brother who's a wheelchair user, and he is constantly whining and complaining, and he's constantly a drag on the group. He's constantly a deterrent, something that's attracting from the group, from the group's ability to survive. Um, like, he, he provides almost nothing to the group's survival. Um, mm-hmm. Or even, even before the the threat occurs to the group he's just a negative he had to come because everyone felt bad that they mm. didn't invite him like there was n- like there's there's never anything positive or valuable about the person who has a disability because that is all that they are all that they are is their disability yes yeah, i feel like we feel like so the whole representation series it's like every time anyone has a thing that's different they're just like that's all they are that's all they are that's they have they are. no other component right. to them and it's like it's not how life is. Right. Like, people exist and they are so many different We are things. multidimensional, fully realized creatures. Yeah. All of us. We contain <laughs> multitudes. To quote Walt Whitman, you know, we are large. We contain multitudes. You can have a disability and a mental illness and some talents and like a bunch <laughs> of other things going on. It's like, oh, don't get me started on the inspiration porn that I see on, on Facebook all the time. So inspiration porn, for people who don't know, it's when usually able-bodied people or people without disabilities, they see someone with a disability accomplish accomplishing something and they say oh like that's amazing what's your excuse yeah you know like and so you see all these people on like America's Got Talent who might be blind or deaf and it turns out they can play an instrument or sing (laughs) and it's regarded as the most amazing mind-blowing thing as if like because their disability they had disability that they were just assumed to be worthless yeah as if they don't have talent or skills or something to offer society it's like part of having a disability is just part of who you are it's like being, you know, like being white or being American or being straight or queer is just part of who you are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah it's it, not all you are. It's not all you are, absolutely. Yeah. It can be an important part of who you are, but it's nowhere near, like, the entirety of who you are. Maybe that person just wants to go about their life, you know? Like, just because... It's like people with disabilities and you're like, they can sometimes like do certain tasks in a slower or different way than able-bodied people can or the people without disabilities do. And that doesn't mean that they want your help. You know, Mm -hmm. that means that they're doing their task their own way in their own time. And they most of the time want to do it on their own. Yeah. And it's like, so not even just speaking from like my own experience, like speaking from my own experience, yeah. but not personally like about my own experience of having a disability is my grandpa when I was little, the day before I was born, he chopped off his fingers in his hand because he was so nervous about me being born. And he had to wear like a, he got like severe nerve damage. They sewed the fingers back on. La, da, da. This is, I don't know if that's like a lot of gross stuff. I'm saying, yeah, but, you know, it happened. Um, and they sewed it all back on and then he had a lot of nerve damage and he had to wear like this glove for compression. He would do the thing where he would twitch. And I like grew up with that. And it was just like, and he would always get so mad when anyone tried to help him with anything. Right. So we would be like, no, like he's got it. Let him go. Like, my grandma would try to cut his food for him. I'm like, stop cutting his food for him. He wants to cut him himself. Yeah. And it's like me and my mom would always like defend him yeah. in that situation. But it was like, it was a very eye-opening thing for me as someone who had not yet discovered they had a disability to yeah. be like, yeah, I can do stuff myself. And like, <laughs> say, like him being like, I, stop helping me. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially this is a nice shaping yeah, thing for like, my future. Always assume capability. You know? Yeah, and like if somebody looks like they need help, ask. 
and then wait until if they say yes or no. And if, say, if they say no, I don't need help, don't be offended. And if yeah. they say yes, wait until they tell you how to help them. But it's so easy for people who aren't seeing that every day that if they see someone who's like in a wheelchair, you're just like, oh, I'll just yeah. uh, like impose upon you my helping. Which is just Absolutely. You know, people think they want to be like gold star, you know, good Samaritans. Um, but ableism is one of the most like undersung oppressions that exists in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people just have this sort of like infantilization of people with disabilities. Um, yeah. We think that they're fragile and we think that they need taking care of and we don't consider them to be full grown adults. Yeah. Who are fully capable of doing things on their own in their own way, just like every one of us. Yeah. And I think a lot of the films um, in kind of like what I found in my research was that it's just very ableist in its thinking. And there are a few like gems in here where we are seeing a change. And I'm super excited to like one I haven't seen yet, but I read about it and I was like, I I have to go watch this. Like, I have to see this now. Um, and it's in, like, a franchise. So it's just, like, how... That's crazy that this franchise is being so, like, awesome. Wait, which one is that? Uh, it is actually the Chucky franchise. So Chucky? Yes. What? Mm-hmm. So uh, in Curse of Chucky and uh, another one... So Kristen Lopez, who's actually a writer on many, like, film blogs and, and resources on specifically disability in film. Um, and so she was talking on a, a podcast, um, which I'll remember in a moment, <laughs> but she uh, talked about uh, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, where there is a protagonist who's disabled, who's always been, like, she was born in, like, and in, in has always been in a wheelchair, but she's, like, the protagonist and in no way is, like, that a hindrance like it's just a part of what's happening and in yes. the second one she actually has like a relationship <gasps> and goes on to have sex with like <gasps> an able-bodied it. man <gasps> when like it's not like discussed or anything oh, it's just like yeah, so it's just a part of it yeah i was like when you were talking about that i was like yes there's so it, it exists amazing. i was like now, now i have, I have, to, have to back in it. here yeah <laughs> now i have to watch it <laughs> i have to get back involved in the chucky yeah. series <laughs> i knew it was only a matter of time um yeah there's like i you know there's a lot that has been kind of perpetuated throughout uh, film in regards to disability and specifically in horror like in in some of the tropes that we see with disabilities are kind of similar or like a a take on from other tropes that we see um, that I found was really interesting it's it's like I was saying like if someone is different in any way we're like you're this now like you just serve this purpose right like and so um like, there's essentially, like, this idea that there's um, the trope of the, like, magically disabled person. Yes. So, so the magical Negro, right, that yeah. we talked about yep. in our African-American um, uh, women in horror, uh, we have this idea of someone who is disabled, but they're, because of that, they now have unlocked something that the rest of us people can't see yeah. or know. they have no. to sacrifice something to gain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like you're, I don't know, Jessica Alba in The Eye, and oh you're my, blind, that but is now the you movie. see, because she's blind, now she sees things that we don't see in this, like, different way, right? right. Like, you just that, like, you're literally just this tool. Right. And um, I will say that one of the films that we talk about does have a little bit of that in there, um, where someone's disability, like, is the, like, the route out, I guess, like the... Inequalities. <laughs> yes, yep, <laughs> yes. Um, but there's also um, the, uh, Kristen Lopez, again, uh, she uh, 
has dubbed it the Tiny Tim character. So it's the one that we're just supposed to, like, feel bad for. Mm -hmm. It's just there to evoke sympathy and to just, like, be like, oh, I'm sad. (laughs) Or, like, you know, or charm just for that moment. Like, oh, it's essentially inspiration porn, but on screen um, in the way of that. But that's all they're there for is just to do that. But that's what we saw in Midsummer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where the... Ruben. Yeah, disabled character is literally a, like, prophet. Yes. And yeah. It was, yeah. It was like, what? Yeah. You I don't was mention like, him any other time. He's literally here for a second. And then you just keep showing his face mm-hmm. and I'm drawing stuff. And oh, I was yeah. like, why? I, I have so much to say about Ruben in Midsummer. But um, yeah, with the disability, the, 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 the characters with disabilities through, it was implied it was through inbreeding, correct? Yes. It was inbreeding. Which is mm-hmm. like obviously problematic, you know, and, <laughs> yes. and, you know, a big trope in horror. Again, same thing in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, mm-hmm. Leatherface. Um, but, and in Hills Have Eyes, like, yep. it's like, there's so many films where, it's like, disability is a product of some sort of taboo or a sin or whatever your yeah. lens is of society, Long-term. you know? That's one. It's like, you did this, now it's this, mm-hmm. now. Well, and the thing I, I found very interesting is when we're make, we make the disabled character, so when we take away just, like, the magical, like, they're the, uh, not a protagonist, but, like, a tool for the protagonist, right. we move in over to the villain, right? So when they're a villain, the... What I find, and the major problem I had with Ruben in Midsummer, right, is that his very existence was to be feared. Like, he didn't do anything, right? He was just there. But, like, it was literally, like, to see him on screen so people would cringe. Right. right? And it's like, that's just this, this man just, is just living. He's right. just living here. Right. He, he didn't make himself this, right? Like, he was born, and now everyone's, like, he literally was created for that purpose. Um, but that's kind of, like, what they are. Like, where they're... Um, they are results of like uh, sinful acts. So you have things like you know, um, Wrong Turn, Hills of Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But the problem with it is that we have like these like one year they're inbred, so they're like monstrous in that way. But then they're also like cannibals too. Yeah, I mean it's this, it's this really unfortunate intersection of class and disability, right? Yeah. Where like we consider like the Appalachian poor. And, you know, to be this like hick hillbilly, mm-hmm. like lawless in a really criminal, uh, perverse type of way, yeah. and then when we add the uh, physicality of a disability on top of it, it creates even a more image of the grotesque. Yeah, absolutely. And in what I thought was something that I found interesting was even thinking about um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. with Leatherface and him putting people's faces on his own and like. That act in itself is just, like, he clearly does not see himself as, you know, good and that he finds himself to be... And, and that's why he's murdering people who look otherwise than him. Um, and then he's putting in their faces on him. Like, it's All such other a, face needs is love. <laughs> yes, he just needs someone to be, like, <laughs> just you're needs love. beautiful the way you are. Exactly. That's what he needs. He needs some Christina Aguilera <laughs> singing to him, and he would have been fine. They, we wouldn't have the chainsaw, and he's just kind of doing that really slow run at the end. And it's kind of That's like, a great scene. It's a end. really good scene. Any music it's one of my favorite horror movies. It's <laughs> your very first sex and yeah, and I mean, or even um, thinking about uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yeah. That one comes yep. up a lot. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like literally 
he was so grotesque in that he hid away, and now he's a villain because he found love. Hunchback of Notre Dame? Yes. Oh, don't I, That was my movie growing up, was Hunchback of Notre Dame. I had a huge crush on Esmeralda. Yeah. Sidebar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's real. I, I live my life that aspiring to be Esmeralda. That was real. <laughs> yes, I, you know, like, they're like, give me justice. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> that is me. Um, and I always just like, why... Doesn't she end up with Quasimodo? I never understood. Like, she has to have this, sm- like, smashing blonde, like, authority figure. He won't treat you right, baby. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. But in the second one, he does find love. Oh, Hunchback of Notre Dame oh, 2 is about him, and he gets a girlfriend. So just for everyone who might be wondering. Um, is but she, does she also have a disability? No. <gasps> Oh, See, I was literally, wonderful. like, worried in the same way. I was yeah. like, I swear. Clearly the best guy in town. He's, like, so nice. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, what we, we met. Even, like, Phantom of the Opera, right? Like, if he just was able to get outside and function like a person instead of being cast out here and be, like, she totally would have loved him. Yeah. Possibly. Or at least given the chance, right? That It can mean so many different things. That we're not all just one thing. Mm-hmm. We yes, have girl. invisible <laughs> disabilities. We have out-in-the-open disabilities that... <laughs> Out in the open, disabilities can be physical, neurological. It can be mental. Like it's just all over the spectrum of life and existence. And Mm -hmm. that it's not just one thing. And it really irritates me. It just like upsets (laughs) me on like such a fundamental. Yeah. (laughs) That it's just like everyone thinks like one that you have to be able to see a disability for it to exist. That like for myself, if you didn't know, I have narcolepsy. Um, That like people for most of my life were just like you're just sad. Like, I had to go to a doctor and, like, be like, I am not leaving until you test me for something. I was, like, crying. I was like, I will not leave here. Hell yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you stood up for yourself that way. And it's like, yeah, we have to be our own advocate most of the time. and uh, That's the biggest crime. When people, like, act like they need to save you when, honestly, at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. And I had to, like, fight this doctor. And it was a new doctor. I had, like, gone to, like, seven different ones. And it's, like, from the time I was, like, 15 until 22. And it was just, like, someone needs to believe me because I'm getting to the point where it's, like, I'm going to die. And y'all are just telling me I'm fine. I'm not fine. It's not because I'm sad. I'm sad because I feel like this, not because. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like this because I'm sad. Right. I'm sad because <laughs> I feel like this. And yeah. it's awful. And I need y'all to fix it or do something or just, like... Do something. Yeah. And then it's like, after that, it's like, oh, are you faking it? Is it real? I don't know. Like, people just don't really have a grasp of what it is. Narcolepsy, specifically, because it's, like, very under-researched, underfunded, Mm -hmm. under everything. Not a lot of people, like, know they even have it. It gets misdiagnosed a lot, too. So it's just like... Do you feel like if you were a man, they would have believed you sooner? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Gabe said that when I was telling her the story. She was like, you know, that's a thing with women, too. It's just like, you know, (laughs) they just think you're loud and complaining. Intersectionality. (laughs) And it's like, oh, it would have been really cool if I was born with a penis, maybe. And then they were just like, oh, yeah, something must be wrong with you. (laughs) Men don't cry and get sad. <laughs> you must have a disease. Instead of being, calm down, you hysterical woman. It was just like, that was rude. I also just think it's like real rude that um, generally it's just like one that how it's portrayed in film is just like that they're a burden and like the whole mm-hmm. film that you were talking about at the beginning of this, I was just like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yo. Because <laughs> like, honestly, the amount of times I've like just said on a first day, I was like, I have narcolepsy. 
Mm-hmm. And then I just wait. And I'll see if I, like, ever hear from them again. Because yeah. I'm just like, my existence is a potential deal breaker. Yeah. I, was, like, wrote a song about it. I was like, this is a really fun song. Because you know the funny thing about Incurable is it doesn't go away. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, and it's not a problem if you're, like, a person that's nice and have patience. And it's just, like, really rude. That's how I feel about disability yeah. representation in life and then in horror and then, like, in all the things. So I just think it's really interesting that we walk this really, like, complex line between wanting to be acknowledged as capable and competent human beings in the ways that we are and seeking empathy and understanding in the ways that like we do need help and it's so like interesting to me how like people have such a hard time grasping that and it's like we want to be respected as people who can do stuff and like let to do those things but then also like when we can't then it's like oh please understand don't like be like oh, you're just doing this for attention or you're faking it. You're like, just being like, I'm a nice person and I care about you. Clearly something's happening and how can I help? It's, yeah. What's yeah, I mean, as a society in general, we tend to have this idea that if you're vulnerable or in need help, that there's no power in that. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, like, all of us need help at some point in time. Like, no one has an entirely self-sufficient life. We all require help from each other. We're all, like, interdependence is a thing. It's what helped, like, homo sapiens become what we are today. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, like, vulnerability is powerful and it's beautiful. And asking for help is is the same. Um, And just because you need help in certain ways that are maybe less normalized doesn't make it any less powerful or or righteous or valuable. and a quiet place, um, which is what our we, our signed viewing was for this, right? We watch things uh, specifically. <laughs> so we do um, that. Yeah. So we, uh, we'll start with Hush, because that's the older one. So um, Hush is from 2016. It is directed by Mike Flanagan, who also wrote it alongside his wife, Kate Siegel, who stars in it. Um, Mike Flanagan is um, the director of A Haunting of Hill House, and... Oculus. So uh, Hush, if you guys have not seen it, it was something that we considered doing for our um, home invasion episodes um, or our isolated inside episode, but we were like, no, we want it to be about um, like her being deaf, right? So um, it is about a deaf and mute writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life and now she must fight for her life in silence when a mass killer appears at her window. and it is starring Kate Siegel, who is not deaf, um, which does affect the film a little Absolutely. bit. Um, for anyone who's like, like, I mean, for anyone who hasn't experienced like, like, trying to interpret or or understand ASL or someone who is deaf, you probably didn't notice, but people notice. <laughs> so I think that um, there's this one part in the very beginning when the neighbor comes and she's like, Hi, I've been learning sign language. And Kate Siegel says, oh, you don't have to sign. I could read lips. Like, no deaf person would ever say that. <laughs> like, no deaf person would ever just say to somebody who was making an effort to communicate with them, oh, don't worry. <laughs> don't make an effort to communicate with me. It's fine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and there's also like this mix of like, 
like what this person is capable of doing, right? So the main character, like, one thing we were laughing about is like she has like no peripheral vision, yeah, <laughs> like, she, and like, like no sense of vibrations, yeah, yeah. Like, like when again when the the um the neighbor is being killed against the kitchen window and she's like pounding on the window for her life that the deaf woman has no idea what's going on. Like, yeah. That's ridiculous. Like <laughs> you know, sense and vibrations. Yeah, you absolutely sense. sense of vibrations. She would absolutely either see it in the peripheral vision or feel the vibrations. Yeah, and she like even later uses vibration to kind of feel where the killer is. Right, underneath the deck, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So it's just like she clearly can. Like, so what are we, like, what are you doing? Um, I, Pick it and choose it. <laughs> exactly. Um, what I thought was interesting, so when we first watched it, I thought it was it was really great. I was like, this is a cool new idea. Like, I watched it um, with a friend of mine who actually um, knows ASL mm-hmm. and is uh, studying, I think she's done, uh, studying to be an ASL interpreter nice. and, like, do work in that field. So I was like, let's watch this movie together. And, like, we screamed and we cried and we laughed. <laughs> um, it was really fun. Um, and it was just also, like, fun to... to be near because she was like teaching me little bits of sign language too so we could like see it. I was like oh I know that one <laughs> like even like when we like rewatched it I was like oh yeah I still know these things <laughs> um and it's it's interesting so for anyone who hasn't seen it it's essentially like if you took the strangers but our protagonist is deaf and mute right so that's kind of like what your pitch would be <laughs> like the boardroom yeah. like all right imagine this but instead right so the it, that gives us some interesting, stressful situations, right? Um, like, in the fact that he's, like, there's those points where he's there um, and she's just, like, not aware of it because she can't hear and he's, like, tapping on the window or he's, like, singing things and she doesn't see him. But at the same time, it's, like, in The Strangers, <laughs> there's so many scenes yeah. where they're in the background in the window and we as viewers see it and we're screaming at her and she's just like, I'm with Tyler, what do I care? Turn uh, she didn't have peripheral vision either. So I guess that's just like a protagonitis thing <laughs> like where you just can't see what's around you. Um, but we have this character um, who's deaf and we have also this like villain who doesn't have a motive. And he doesn't like he doesn't matter outside of the fact that he's trying to kill this woman. He apparently hates women and just is trying to enact this rape fantasy. Through, yeah, it's just like violence, yeah. just and, and, and what it happens is so he he. We, the first half, like, the first part of the movie is just to establish, like, yes, this woman is deaf, right? It's just, like, her friend comes over, tries to her sign language. We see little different things that she would do that are different. We get uh, introduced to her fire alarm, which is a flashing light, which I thought was really cool. And is very loud. Um, so the vibrations, again, that you would feel would be there. Yeah, her whole thing is, like, when I'm sleeping, it will wake me up. Right. Yeah. Vibrations. <laughs> but I can't feel the vibration, Amanda. Which is, There's I'm sure, why. The friend was like probably slamming herself on the door. But the the fear happens when the the her friend who was I was really sad when she died because it was like yeah, she, was, <laughs> she was so nice. I, um, I really wanted them to get together. I had a little like queer lady. Just, <laughs> like, like, but what if? It was like forget John or whatever that man's name is. Like, yeah. You know, you two were made for each other. <laughs> yeah. They're like I texting sh- each other and like grinning at the phone. Like, don't tell me y'all. I don't. I straight up think his name was Craig. The the boyfriend yeah, yeah the ex boyfriend was, was Craig but the Craig. the, the ex boyfriend yeah, yeah the friend's boyfriend was John gotcha I'm okay. pretty sure and so uh, when the work kicks off is that the friend is being murdered tragically and she's like banging on the window and all this stuff and then the 
the villain then sees her and like is like, why didn't she n- notice? He surmises that she's deaf very, very quickly. Yes, like he kind of like he's just like what? And he does like, a few tests. He yeah. did, and then he did like come in, and then he he saw her sign and was like FaceTiming with her sister, mm-hmm. and then left. And that was one Took of the phone. yeah, that was one of the scariest moments. Was like she. Uh, writes on the window like didn't see your face or whatever um, boyfriend coming home and then he like repeats like exactly Verbeam. what her yeah. her conversation was which is like crazy and then also crazy. just takes off the mask which was yeah, like that was yeah scary. that was oh weird. god you're yeah. totally he just does gonna not kill care. Yeah, he's exactly. just this wants is to murder goal. yeah but it, it, it um there's so many really awesome things in it and that she is not a victim like she's getting like she's getting pretty hurt there's a lot of times in that, but that's like kind of a natural thing. But she's always trying. Like she's, she's always fighting. Yeah. She is always trying to figure out a way out. She's like out of the house. She's in the house. She's upstairs. She's on the roof. She's in the woods. She's over here. Um, and I, I found that really exhilarating, right? It was like kind of like a milder version of like your next where yeah. it was like that home invasion, and she just like was like, a, what was she like a doomsday prepper? So she like had like she like um, home alone the house, uh, booby trapped it. But instead, it was like more realistic of like, what do you do if you're there? Um, I was like, it's your house. You know your house really well. Just like, don't. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. Um, but it was super exciting. Um, there was, there's a blog, um, by a woman, Rebecca Ann Withy, I hope I'm saying your name right, uh, where she reviewed the movie Hush, and she is, um, someone who's deaf, and so some things that she found that were ridiculous was, like, the fact that she could read lips from someone who's, like, really, really far away. And he was, like, slack-jawed, like, yeah. he was barely moving his mouth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he, like, spoke like he was trying to not express right. what he was saying. Yeah, because yeah. he was supposed to be unemotional and all. Um, and then she also said that her lip pattern changed from being non-existent to overly accentuating, and it wasn't consistent. Yeah, the one thing that I noticed from her sign language is that there was no expression in her face. Mm. Um... Like when she was showing her friend the sign for um, the the curse be at the, the B word. <laughs> yes. Um, she did the sign, but her face was completely expressionless. Yeah. Um, and so much of AXL, ASL is like the expression, like your eyebrows and, and your face. And when she's saying like, oh, yeah, it gets really loud and... Like, if a native ASL speaker was seeing it, you would see their entire body yeah. being used to, to speak, to communicate. Um, and so for that, it was really clear to me that it was a hearing actress performing ASL, not necessarily a native speaker, because they, they she was only utilizing her hands and not her face on her whole body. Yeah. ASL is an incredibly expressive language. Yeah, it's like when you see the interpreters at, like, rap concerts. Yes. That's, like, one of my favorite things to watch, and they get really into it. Or, like, I watch You see Waka Flocka, who didn't know what she was doing, and she <laughs> yeah, thought that and she was start, dancing. Yeah. And she, like, he tried to, like, emulate so her signs because she thought that she was dancing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like Chance the Rapper did a whole video with his Chance interpreter. for mm-hmm. having the, the interpreters. Yeah. yeah, he was like, we're going to do this whole, like, he did a whole video just to talk on Instagram about it. Yeah, I yeah, that. It was pretty cool. Like, even, like, when you watch, like, instructional videos on YouTube 
for ASL, there's always like little subtitles that are like, accentuate your eyebrows. Right. Like like, it's a question with your face or like if you know, you're like shaking your head and like you're just kind of like putting all like and then they move so fast (laughs) usually. But she was just like very slowly moving her hands to tell the story. Um, I think what is really interesting about this film was that because she is deaf and mute, there's only there's less than 15 minutes of dialogue in this whole film, Mm -hmm. which was great. And now I feel like people don't like you don't even really realize because it's just action. I get where it went wrong, but I did very much enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it was like one of those things where it's like you clearly like tried. You could have cast somebody who was actually deaf Mm -hmm. and that would have been good. (laughs) <laughs> yes. That would have been awesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would have been the better route like, There's so go. many actors who are deaf that would, yes. have, that would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah. And it's a shame very much that that didn't happen, but it was a fun time. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, yeah. And I, I read that um, the reason why they didn't cast a deaf um, actor in the lead role, besides, I'm sure, the fact that Kate Siegel wanted to play it, the, the, the role, was that in the very end, there is the voiceovers mm. of the main character talking to herself. Um, but there are plenty of people who are deaf who are verbal. Like, not yeah. every deaf person is nonverbal. Um, and so, like, you could have had a deaf person speak that. Um, yeah. You could have even had Kate Siegel do the voiceover if you yeah. really wanted to, you know? But she even, the main character said that the voice in her head, her head sounded her like mom's. her mom. Yeah, yeah. it was literally so you could have just like, had yeah, the just mom speak. They yeah. said it wasn't even her voice. Right. Like, yeah. So it's like, like, there's no reason not to cast a deaf actor yeah. in that role. Yeah. And I, my even wife wanted to do it. Yeah, like, he was definitely like, right. I gotta get yeah. that right <laughs> for my wife. But, like, the way, like, deaf deafness is talked about in the film is like not super great either like I completely agree with you that like is she had agency she was powerful like it's not often that you see a woman much less a woman with a disability being able to to fill that space um but you know like she talked about her deafness and she said like isolation happened to me I didn't pick it and she was obviously mm. talking about her deafness um you see she's a an author and on the um the uh, author bio of the book, I forget the exact language, but it's a little bit ableist talking about how she was like stricken with deafness at a very young age mm. and how something was taken from her, etc. And there's that that weird part in the middle where um, the serial killer says that like, oh, well, she's deaf, so she couldn't have called 911. Yeah. Does he think that deaf people can't call 911? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like 911 doesn't exist for deaf people? Because it does, I promise. <laughs> yes. I also, I also peaked that because it was like, I wrote that down. Like, deaf people can call 911. Because <laughs> I, like I was like, there's something wrong with this premise. Like, immediately when she, like, I was like, what? And, like, both, because it's, like, it's the killer talking to the boyfriend John, who right. came up. And he's like, yep, that sounds truth. Right. <laughs> I was like, why? Why don't you know? Like, what do you, I was like, why wouldn't she have called? I was like, that's not an app, like, Accurate. Like, you didn't need that conversation right. at all. Lennon 1 is for everyone but the deafies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? screw them. And, like, if, we're, if we were reaching, we're reaching for little little pieces of grass of optimism or whatever else. Yeah. Straws. I don't know what the phrase is anymore. <laughs> sure. Um, maybe they were trying to show how many people just don't understand what it is to be deaf, but I know no, that that's, that's not that's what they were generous. doing. That's very generous. That's very generous. I know that that's not what they were doing. <laughs> Mike's like, trying for On you. Twitter later, Mike would be like, you know, I was just saying, Mike, like, I, I really wanted just... to show that, like, um, 
that they like really don't understand what it is to be deaf. And it was like, you know how like you, you always say about the people who like have a critique or they're saying like, is this why you did this? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, oh, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah, yeah yes. that sounds like a they great reason. So yeah, reason. that's what it was. You're leading the witness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like, and and I, I enjoy Kate Siegel as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like when I think I was like, oh, she's also in Haunting of a Hill House, where she plays a queer woman, and so just like what it, and again, it comes down to that thing like we can't shake her and be like, what is your orientation? Um, but it's also like. I like what are we what are we doing out here, Kate? Like my why are you doing this? Why put your wife out here in these roles? Um so yeah. She's a very good actress. She is a very great actress. Put representation like, come on with now. the people the things with the stuff. Or like it just feels like tourism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're just trying it on. Right. Um just and and it and it's for like the kicks, right? It's just like for a film that's strangers, but it's death. Like, that's literally what it is for that punchline, right? Um, there was also the issue I had was that her phone, uh, one was on the ringtone. And the ringtone <laughs> on her And I was like, why is it on vibrate? And then it was vibrate. But I was yeah, like, why didn't she have the flash? The flash thing was annoying. It did when she flipped it over, but that was like later. Long time. Because I was just like, this is the one time where it's applicable because there's so many people who have the flash on. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yes, you don't need this. Absolutely. It's like, I was like, this is the one time I would allow it. <laughs> it's like yeah. if that, in the first scene, they were like, oh, that was a really good scene. We don't want to get rid of it. We'll just add it in later. <laughs> and then like in the later scene, they show the flash and they show the yeah. vibrate. But the first That's scene, the, they did the, not. The, just honestly, the just the fact that there was a ringtone didn't right. make any sense. There shouldn't, yeah. like, in what world would she need that? Also, she was completely quiet. Um, yes, that also bothered me. And, yeah, and so, like, nonverbal doesn't mean that you make no sounds. Like, deaf people are actually known for being very loud people. Yeah. You know, they quite literally can't hear themselves, and there's vocalizations that they make. Um, and and they're known as very, like, loud people who take up a lot of space. Like, thank goodness that they are, you know? Um, yeah. That's a good thing. Um, but, yeah, she was completely silent. Yeah. Um, it didn't make any sense. And I think in the back of the the her bio, her author bio, it said something about, like, her vocal cords were paralyzed, something, yeah. forget the term, mm-hmm. or something like that. But that, that still wouldn't mean that you would make no noise. Yeah, I know? think they try to cop it out of her being mute, like, I think John says it, like, when they're, he's like, oh, yeah, this is my friend's, my girlfriend's friend who's deaf and mute. And then, like, and that's the same conversation yeah. of her being like, she can't call 911. But it's like, what are, why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, I, I did think, I think that the preferred terminology is nonverbal. I think deaf mute is a little bit of a, a an older term. Nice. Um, Even better, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> Mike. <laughs> what are you doing, bud? Uh <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, that's something I, I like, turned to Kat, and I was like, she's not making any sounds. And I was like, that's really weird. It's like, and, like, if you've ever, like, talked to anyone or met anyone who is deaf, like, you would know that. So exactly. it's like, did, have, did they not interact they with anyone, have anyone this whole time? Exactly. There was no one on set. There was no one that they, they talked to about how can we make this realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that there, there are a couple details throughout the film that you can really see that there was no deaf people that were involved in this film at all. Mm-hmm. As unlike, opposed to. Unlike. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, good segue into A Quiet Place. So A Quiet Place is from 2018. Director John Krasinski. Yes, who was on the, the office. office? Yep, but he, uh, now he's an action bod dad now. 
Yeah, no, he was just like, <laughs> Jim. <laughs> Jim who? Shirt ripped open. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole moment. He's the Jim now. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jim now. Um, in a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. And the exciting part of this uh, is that there is a deaf character in the film who is actually deaf in real life. Yes. And, like, s- spoilers, saves the day. She does. And, and in ways that are outside of even her disability. Like, there, So there's a whole plot in, in what I was kind of hinting at before um, in regards to, like, using their disability as, like, the the finish and touch for your heroes is that her uh, hearing aid um, causes this really high frequency that disrupts the and like um, harms these creatures right but even regardless of that situation she's a hero in and of itself and her own turmoil happens to just be from like actual real life stuff yeah, <laughs> like she's her, just the best character just, in the whole film yes. first of all yes and yeah. the, the actress's name is uh, Millicent Simmons I believe is that yes. correct that's yeah. such a cool name yes. Yes. such a cool name yeah <laughs> definitely you have a cool name she yeah. has a cool name she oh, thank a cool you name. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's interesting because uh, oddly enough she has a, a, co- a cochlear implant and they don't provide feedback but hearing aids provide feedback oh. so if you're watching this movie and this uh, this scenario happens in real life and you have a cochlear implant, don't think that it'll work the exact same way in the film. If you have a hearing <laughs> aid, it might work the exact same way. <laughs> what I see, we get a little and we lose a little. Uh, I, but <laughs> I will say with this is that um, because we have this actress, it is um, profoundly better, right? So for one, um, everyone on set was learning ASL, ASL to talk to her, right? Um, it also was like uh, a a real like win in the film in the fact that like this really is like her superpower. In so to, like in the fact like in a world where you cannot communicate <laughs> with your words, ASL is perfect, right? So it makes me kind of think of um, kind of like certain Afrofuturist like books. So there's like a short story that. Um, someone somewhat local had written where there was like this uh, disease because of the sun. It was too much. So then it was like people who were darker melanin melanin Mm -hmm. were able to go outside, whereas white people were not able to go outside. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, in this world, like she is the best equipped character. Like it kind of like for everyone else, she's not because she can't hear if someone else makes sound or if she made a sound to, attract them but when it comes to communicating um she's already like leagues ahead in and this she family is fearless yes she is ready to go out and learn how to do all the skills learn how to catch the fish learn how to put everything together and it's her family that's holding her down because they think because well i assumed it was because of a disability it may have been because she like may have been responsible for her brother's death i don't know Yeah. But I loved yeah. I loved the scene when the the father um is trying to get her to wear the cochlear implant and she's like, No, I don't want to, it doesn't work and there's this is this great uh sort of like fight not really a fight fight between them, but he keeps on trying to get her to wear it and she doesn't want to. And it's so representative of the history of deaf people, of hearing people trying to make them to abandon sign language, to learn oralism, uh to tr- like to try 
try to be anything that they aren't to try and be quote-unquote normal mm -hmm. and they just want to be themselves you know um like you you see kind of all the time um this was actually a, a little bit of a learning experience for me, actually. Maybe a year ago, I read this article about this man in Kenya, this young man in Kenya, who had created these gloves that would translate um, hand signs into um, verbal language. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. People can communicate better, you know? And I sent, them, sent the article to my deaf friends, and every single one of them was like, this is not what we want. Yeah. We do not want to assimilate to hearing culture. We don't want to somehow, you know, make it easier to, like, like we want you guys to start an ASL. We want you guys to interact with us. You know, yeah. why are we always the ones who have to like, compromise yeah. our language and our culture? Yeah. Uh, buy I, these expensive gloves yeah, so buy, that exactly. you can hear me. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, or you can just respect my culture. And it is a culture, you know, when people like write out deaf, they have a capital D deaf, you know, because mm. it is a culture. Um, and it's, 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 it's so much more than I think many hearing people assume it is. Um, and so I just really loved that scene when her standing up for her, for herself and be like, no, I don't need to hear. I don't need to be like you. I don't need to have this thing attached to me. And no shade to people who are deaf who have cochlear implants. It's one yeah. of those things that's completely, you know, based on someone's preference. Um, but what, when something is forced upon somebody, that's obviously not okay. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that she stood up for her own agency and said, no, I don't want this was such an amazing scene for me. Yeah. And it was a lot of like the relationship with her and her father was a big part of what, yeah. like it was a, just a family drama really it, with the backdrop of like yeah, monsters will come and kill you. Right. Um, but it was really like he is trying in the way that he thinks he can. So he's trying to fix this implant. And that's like how he represents his love for her. When he could have just been like, let me teach you how to fish right. and let me make you, like, help you become just an adult, <laughs> right? And so I think that's where, um, that's like a, a classic story that we see and it was done such a natural and beautiful way. And one thing that I found uh, in researching this um, was this term, uh, deaf gain, which is coined by Dirksen Bauman and Joseph J. Murray. Uh, and I got this from an article called How 2018 Horror Explored Disability and Represented It for the Better. And it's uh, Marissa Mirabai, who's actually, like, works alongside Kristen Lohmann. <laughs> so, I'm awesome. I love her. Uh, um, but <laughs> it's essentially that um, deaf gain encompasses the myriad ways in which both deaf people and society at large have benefited from the experience of deaf people in sign language throughout history. So even just thinking like me and Kat were talking about how um, we watch everything with subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. so like do I. Everything. So and do I. I feel like if I go somewhere and there's no subtitles on it, I'm like, what? what is happening? Yeah. I can't yeah. do this anymore. I can't focus. I, like, I, I'm not deaf but I like don't hear very well accessibility so is nice. good for everyone as it turns nice. out yeah, yeah accessibility cool. is good for everyone yeah it's yeah. a good time it it's just it's augmented with the the closed captions you know yeah, I love yeah. when it says like steamy music or like funky yeah. beat comes on it's like all right yeah, <laughs> yeah oftentimes they'll like it'll say something it'll be like like a, a phrase will come up and I'm like no one said that like I didn't hear that what yeah, where did that come really from it if it wasn't in closed captions yeah. absolutely yeah and yeah, I yeah, the, and and I remember um, from the the training with you was that there's so many ways that when we make things accessible, it's not just for like the disabled community; it's for everyone. It benefits everyone. But <laughs> I'll I'll tell you how low the bar is.
is for disability in horror films, but particularly um, deafness. There was the movie The Silence that came out with the little girl from Mad Men, um, but the quote-unquote sign language that they used was complete gibberish. What? It wasn't actual sign language. It was made-up signs so they thought they thought that hearing audience would understand what the signs meant, but it wasn't <laughs> sign language. It was okay. complete gibberish to anyone who is deaf or anyone who speaks ASL. Like that is like, so just the fact that they were using proper ASL in both of these films. Yeah, we're like, was like already like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, this film was definitely great. Um, you know, there's there's things in it, but it was really decent. I was very worried because <laughs> people <laughs> loved it so much, and Kat and I watched it late. Like we didn't watch it immediately, and we were like like unreasonably late for people who have a horror podcast. And I was yes, like, oh fair. man, I was like, if we watch this and then we're sad, I'm gonna be real upset. <laughs> like I don't, and it was so good, and I felt that same way about Hereditary. So mm -hmm. it was just like, oh good, <laughs> there are still some good fun rides. And this one was so great. And like the way that like, you know, I was reading into like the way that, you know, they frame the main character and, yeah. and like to kind of present her, but how um, there was a really great quote again, and then I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, by the same woman, uh, where it says, by the time the audience learns that Reagan is deaf, she is a multifaceted character harnessing the responsibilities of being the oldest sibling, and her lack of hearing is not merely a plot device, but a part of who she is. Reagan's impairment isn't fetishized as her storyline is complex and not solely defined by a disability. This portrayal strays from evoking mere pity, instead requiring Reagan to earn her redemption as he, she consistently tries to prove her capability by volunteering to accompany her dad and learning survival tactics when her younger brother is reluctant to do so. So, yeah, it's all the things that we said, right? She's a person. <laughs> She's yeah. not just... A deaf person, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like she's not the deaf person for this story, so that we can have a like loose plot. <laughs> yeah, and I think like beyond challenging ableist norms, I think she even challenges gender norms in her yes. family. Uh, the family is oddly socially conservative. Like yeah. the mom is literally barefoot and pregnant most of the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh. and, and, you know, the mom never really advocates for her daughter. She always is sort of, like, demure to her husband, very, like, supportive of the husband, never mm -hmm. really says anything, doesn't have a ton of opinions, <laughs> you know, and... Like, Emily, what are you and doing? And Reagan is just like, no, I want to learn. I am a human being. Like, I am powerful. Yeah. I am vulnerable. I, I am everything that a human being is, you know, like, let, let me, me, yeah, let let me, me be. Let exactly. me be a human here. Yeah, and like even Y'all could like, benefit from some more human happening. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could. Yeah. My brother's not gonna do it. Let me do it. Yeah. The other one. Sorry. <laughs> You're out here traumatizing this little boy. I want to go. Like, what do you mean? I do love the part where he's like, "I'm scared." The mom said, "There's nothing to be scared of," and he's like, "Of course there is." <laughs> like, what do you mean those monsters? There's plenty of things to be afraid of. <laughs> like even nowadays, I'd be like, "What do you mean? Have you been outside?" Yeah, I think. It's, and I, I will say, like, what I found really great that's, like, complete opposition from most of the films that we've seen um, with a disabled character is, like, her real, like, internal battle isn't, like, who am I and how do I fit into society? It's um, my brother died. 
because I wasn't able to save him. And so I feel responsible for that. And then I also feel like my family judges me and is blaming me as well, which is like, that's a human thing. Right. She's just doing that instead of just being like, will I ever, like, <laughs> I don't know, find my place in this world right. despite Who this awful thing. Who will love me since yeah. I'm deaf? You yeah, know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty, but I'm deaf. Right. <laughs> what? I yeah. know I'm pretty for a deaf girl, but who will love me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? you what a crazy thing. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> the world is a horrible, ugly place. <laughs> yes. It's nothing about us without us, which is a great phrase that Pascal just taught us. Excellent. Which is uh, I've I have just decided it, just is saying. the the tagline for every single episode in this series. Nothing <laughs> about us without us. Yeah, like that's literally what we've been saying this whole time in a nice, fun phrase. We're not that we asking that much. It's not a radical agenda. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, yeah. like don't write stories that aren't yours. Right. <laughs> write what you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you don't like it, it's you are beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can't bring you down. Oh, oh, oh. Nice. Uh, yeah, sing it. And that was to Leatherface. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like anyone who's going to, it has to be a villain in a movie because they have a disability. Yes. Yeah. No one it's like so holds it's on also, their grade. It's, it's so often a marker of being a villain. Yeah. That's like a, Captain Hook to Dr. Strangelove to Scar from Lion King. Like society it's yeah. doesn't define you. Yeah, it's just like as soon as they show up, you're like, oh, I know what this is, right? right? The same thing like what mental illness we're saying. If someone discloses that they have bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, we're like, oh, this explains everything, I guess. For the topic of um, how disability has been shown in horror films over the history of the world until now. And we can have a mixed review because... There's some good and there's some bad, what we found, right? How are we feeling? I'm glad that we made mostly it. Mostly bad. Yeah, it's definitely mostly bad. It's, yeah. With it's recently being like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, the bar is so low. Uh, yeah. The no, bar is really... so low. Yeah. You know. Um, how about for Hush? Um, Hush, I don't know. It's bad, man. Um, it's fun, but... Yeah, I think there is enough things that were lacking. I don't know. It just felt very... It would have made such a difference if it was a deaf actress that was playing the lead or if there's any evidence that they, <laughs> yeah. like, talked to a deaf person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. You know? Um, it just seemed... It just seemed like no one involved in the movie had ever spoken to a deaf person before yeah so. and like if they did not a lot right yeah. yeah like the research is not extensive enough like they did a little they didn't like, do yeah. what they needed to do yeah they yeah. like they, a lot of the asl wouldn't even been considered correct because there is no expressions in the yeah. face so it wouldn't even been considered proper asl yeah. yeah i think it's kind of like 
do the research. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's kind of like what we were saying, like with um, what keeps you alive, right? Is that we one, we don't know if the writer is bisexual or not. She is married to a man, so we don't know, right? But it was this idea that they were very intentional. Like mm-hmm. they were like, we are telling this story, so we want to make sure we are telling it as, as well as we are able to. Whereas I feel like Hush is not doing that. It yeah. was just like, this is kind of fun. It's a fun twist right. on the old tale of home invasion instead of being like, who is this person? Can we have a person that's our character instead of just a plot? Right. But, yeah. yeah. Um, what about for A Quiet Place? A Quiet Place, I really think they did really well. Um, you know, the ASL was largely spot on. I think there were a couple times when it was a little bit literal for a hearing audience. Mm. Um, like, there was a couple times when the dad said, another time, and when he signed, I have always loved you, it was very word for word rather mm. than meaning for meaning, which is how ASL and English is is translated. But for the most part, I think you could really tell the difference between actually having deaf people in the conversation and in the creative process um, as opposed to Hush. So I, I, don't know, I, I would give Quiet Place a, a higher mark for sure. Yeah. Yeah. At least a B plus. At least a B plus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We they still passed. got room, right? To grow. Yeah, always. they passed for sure. They <laughs> passed for sure. Yeah. And I mean I'll I'll be watching that the two Chucky films. Yeah. Uh to see what's going on with that because I, I got really excited. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Check out the silence if you want to hate watch something. Yes. Oh, we do like doing that. Well, um, thank you so much, Pascal, for thank joining us. Thank you so us. much. I had so much fun. <laughs> thank you, guys. You're real yeah. dope. Yeah. There I, we are. <laughs> I think it's been very, very helpful, um, you know, one, to... I'm just excited that we were getting to cover these topics that we've, like, we've encountered along the way. We're like, wait, we know this is messed up, but... This isn't like this episode isn't where we're gonna do it, right? So it's just like let's just make an entire episode where we do it, um, and I think it's it's nice sometimes to see where we're making progress, and it, it yeah. makes me feel better, um, as opposed to like watching things and being like we're just, it's mess burn it all burn it all down <laughs> we don't need movies anymore. Well, if our listeners, yes, yeah, so, uh, if our listeners want to reach you, one they can email us as always at thegoalsnextdoor at gmail and just be like this is far past. And I will forward it to her. But also, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what are some ways they can do so? Yeah, so definitely check out Liberty Resources. Again, it's the Center for Independent Living in Philadelphia. Our website is libertyresources.org. Definitely check out Philadelphia Adapt chapter. Um, Adapt is a nationwide uh, collective of, of activist groups. Philly is known as being the you know most aggressive and oldest. Yeah, we do in Philly. <laughs> yeah. um, we meet at Liberty Resources the first Wednesday of every month. Um, so if you want, you can um, email the ladies at Ghouls Next Door. You can email me at pascalvalet at libertyresources.org. Um, yeah, definitely check us out. Also <laughs> yeah. on Instagram, Facebook, etc. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, don't, don't get married. Delete your kids. Yeah.